Hi, my name is Alad Gross. Welcome to the Alad Pod, an online, uncensored town hall program designed to bring our government back to you. Every episode is a recording of our live show with special guests and questions asked by audience members like you. Today, we have Sean Sonker Nicholson, who is instrumental in running the Clean Missouri campaign, and we'll talk about the attempt to repeal his work, Amendment 3, which would change a whole lot about our elections in Missouri. Give it a listen. Sean, are you there? I am. Yeah, thanks a lot. I'm happy to be here. Great. Welcome. Well, welcome to the Allowed Pod. Very excited to have you to talk about one of the hottest topics in Missouri right now, which is voting. And voting is very important. Uh, and Amendment 3 is going to be on the ballot and something that uh, all of us are going to be voting on. And I know that you've been very yep. involved in this process for, for years now. So if you could, uh, could you introduce yourself to everybody? Tell us what you do and uh, what your involvement is with Amendment 3. Yeah, so my name is Sean. I live in Kansas City now. I grew up in northeast Missouri in Palmyra. Uh, went to Mizzou. Um, I actually was living in Columbia back when we started this campaign to pass the, the Clean Missouri Amendment, um, you know, back in 2016, 2017. Um, we, in 2017, 2018, many of listeners may, be, may have been a part of that campaign, may have remembered it. You know, we put a nonpartisan redistricting reform measure on the ballot in 2018. Um, there were several parts of that measure, all of which were about making our state legislature more responsive to its people, um, less reliant on, less uh, uh, manipulative, less able to be manipulated by uh, partisan special interests. So we passed the Clean Missouri Amendment by a big two-to-one margin, um, almost two-to-one margin in 2018. And then immediately after the vote in 2018, politicians, lobbyists in Jeff City got to work trying to figure out how they could undo those reforms passed by voters. Um, we were successful in defeating what they wanted to put on the ballot last year. Um, we slowed it down this year. Um, they ended up smashing it through in the middle of the pandemic um, when the Capitol was semi-closed, mostly closed. Um, and now it's on the, on all of our ballots right now in the form of Amendment 3. Um, so uh, we have been working all these years to build a legitimately transpartisan organization that um, is working to make sure that our state legislature is uh, responsive to its people. Uh, the coalition that we have this year in 2020 is even bigger than the one we had in 2018 because of that big mandate from 2018 and because the details, uh, the fine print of Amendment 3 is so heinous um, and we've been able to like grow the coalition even beyond what it was before. Yeah. Um, I've got a question, but before I do... Yep. What's with all the guitars, man? So uh, great. <laughs> this is the basement. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, this is the basement. Um, normally, I'd be in like an actual office, um, but uh, you know, this is this is what campaigners looks like. You can see the lit piles oh, down here. Um, yeah. So we did. Yes, campaigning yeah. from the basement for real. 
um, the team, we're, we're all working remotely. So it's been yeah. a unique challenge in 2020 to be able to do this. Yeah. And I mean, that must be such an interesting perspective because, I mean, obviously you were very involved with Clean Missouri, and this has been a multi-year process now because there's the attack on it, which is Amendment 3. But, I mean, what right. what what kind of, you know, just from a, a communication standpoint, you know, trying to get the word out to folks, what have you seen I guess what have been the big changes now that you are working remotely, you know, you're not in the offices, we've got this whole pandemic going on. What what have been the big changes or adaptations that you've had to make as a result of that? Yeah, so the biggest change has been in, um, you know, pre-field part of a campaign. Um, normally we'd be on the road all the time doing presentations and meetings, uh, talking to anyone who would listen. That's how we were able to build the coalition and 2017 to 2018, a lot of time on the road, um, which you understand well. Um, and then um, that we, it was a gajillion Zoom meetings um, instead with no time on the road um, throughout the summer, throughout the spring. I wasn't totally sure how canvassing was going to look. Um, there's been more actual direct voter contact and conversations than I feared we'd be able to have. Um, you know, a few months ago, there are um, partners in the, in the larger coalition that are actually doing um, low contact, safe, social distance canvassing. There's been a lot more lit drops this year um, than we otherwise might do just because, you know, people have to stay safe, both both the workers and you're trying to not create a situation for voters. Um, we've had way more phone conversations in 2020 than we did back in 2018, just because um, uh, that's that's the best way to, to, to be talking to voters. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, this even stuff like this that we're doing right now. I mean, there's so many more of these Zoom calls and online things. But, I mean, I, I don't know. I've found it to be a, a good way to still connect with folks and to get the word out and having you on is is great. Um, we actually do have folks who are watching from all over the state now. Lucas and Tom, I see both of you. Thanks for saying hi. Um, but, I mean, I, it's, it's a good way to, you know, I think interact with folks. And also, at least the, some of the platforms, it's a good way to engage maybe groups of folks who haven't been as involved before, haven't been paying as much attention before. Uh, so tell us, um, why, why, why are you, why have you been doing all of this? Like, what is, what is the idea? Like, what's the, why, why is this important? Why should we care about, you know, uh, the clean Missouri, really the movement now, um, and, and this amendment three that's trying to reverse it? Yeah. So, I mean, I got started doing, um, in, in politics, doing other kinds of advocacy work. Um, and it was very clear on a whole host of issues, like whether it's payday lending or, um, you know, raising the minimum wage or health care or um, any number of issues that, that folks might be working on, that the incentive structure that informs how our legislators make choices or don't make choices um, is really, really important. And it's boring. Um, those rules can be arcane at times, just of like how systems get built, how structures work. Uh, but we have been living in Missouri for um, too long now, um, through the aughts, through the teens, uh, uh, 2010s, with too many legislators not really worried about folks back home. Um, our old redistricting system back from 2001, 2011, was really defined by um, maps, lines getting drawn in secret, and the ultimate outcome um, there's different ways that uh, that those maps got to that outcome, but the ultimate outcome was largely incumbent protection districts, where very little competition in November. Um, half of our state legislative races in the past few cycles have been completely uncontested by 
uh, both political parties. So you've got super duper Democratic seats and super duper Republican seats and not a whole lot um, up for grabs in the middle. And that's just like not a good way to, to have government. Um, like, there should be a, a healthy amount of anxiety on the part of our elected officials about um, are they going to get rehired? Um, uh, and it should not just be um, worrying about a few big donors and just um, the political primary, like primary voters in every district. So um, certainly with uh, clean Missouri reforms, like there's still going to be Democratic seats and there's still going to be Republican seats, um, districts that, that lean those ways. But um, we all do better when our state legislature um, reflects the will of the voters and voters are able to, to make changes they, if they want or they can re-up um, the people in office if that's what they want. But um, we all do better when our legislature um, is responsive to, to all of us. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. And uh, I should make this disclosure, too, to everybody who's out there watching, because I, I, I like to bring on folks, with, you know, different perspectives and, you know, we might not always agree, whatever it might be. I think Amendment 3 is a dumpster fire. Uh, and so I very much agree with you um, and I'm very happy to have you on. I think there's a lot of a lot of reasons for that. Um, and. Uh, I, for, I guess for you, what have you seen? You know, I know we just this is another example in Missouri of something we just voted on. And then the legislature not liking how we the people voted, even though it was overwhelming uh, and then throwing it back to us. Could you could you talk a little bit about I know you mentioned it a little bit about how the legislature has proposed this one. But could you talk about the different ways that clean Missouri in 2018 got on the ballot versus how Amendment 3 this time got on the ballot? So the clean Missouri Amendment got on the ballot and passed because voters worked for 18 months, um, certainly more than a year, collecting signatures in every part of the state. We turned in 330, 340,000 signatures back in May of 2018. Uh, during that signature collection time, we built a coalition um, of Republicans and independents and Democrats all coming together to say, hey, there's a better way that we can have state government work. So we put it on the ballot, and then we had to keep campaigning after we turned in the signatures, because the thing about ballot campaigns is that if voters are confused, if they don't understand, if they feel like someone's trying to trick them, voters are going to reject that measure. And so we kept campaigning, we kept building our coalition, and then in November 18, we, we won big. Um, you know, one of the things I think about a lot uh, from that 2018 campaign is how I would go line by line, section by section with um, whether it would be reporters. Uh, there was a Republican senator that I would call or he would call me. You know, he would be going back and forth through um, uh, to Jeff City, you know, on Mondays and Thursdays or Mondays and Fridays. And we would go section by section and there would be a whole lot of devil's advocate and like, why is this? Why is that? And because we did that process, because we worked and crafted really good policy. And because we were able to defend the policy piece by piece, that's how we were able to build the trust and earn the votes to win so big. What the politicians have done is smash through a nasty, complicated, flawed proposal with very little um, care um, for like the details and make sure that, that things um, happen like they should. Um, they smashed it through in the middle of a pandemic when there are a whole lot of other things that the voters wish they would be working on. And um, you have will have noticed, I mean, if you've been paying attention, that there's very few folks out there actually trying to defend this thing because it's so indefensible. It's also worth noting that they know they can't, that voters are not going to like what's in the fine print. And so they're trying to trick voters um, with a $5 change to lobbyist gift rules. So mm -hmm. everything in Amendment 3 is about gerrymandering. It's about rigging the system protect, to protect 
incumbents, except for a $5 change to lobbyist gifts and a $100 change to campaign contribution limits. Um, that is the tell that they are trying to do something sneaky and, and um, nasty, and that it's not actually about helping their voters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 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 clean clean Missouri. Um, talking about the five bucks and the hundred bucks that you know that they've they've changed here. Um, when you see on the you know you go to your ballot, you're going to see Amendment Three, and then you're going to see a summary on your ballot. It's not the entire language of the law, which mm-hmm. is very extensive. Amendment One, which is interesting, Amendment One, which will be on the ballot that has to deal with term limits. Actually, there's about as many words on there as are actually in the, in the proposed changes, but that's not the case for Amendment Three at all. It's very long, uh, and it includes things in there um, that weren't initially included, and so it had to go to court to get this thing on. On the ballot the right way, at least to some degree. I mean, some of us still disagree that this is the appropriate language for it. But the first two points there, uh, one of them is, hey, uh, let's eliminate uh, these lobbyist gifts, right, which are currently uh, limited to $5. And that was a limit that, that was put in by Clean Missouri, right? Right. That's, yeah, that's so, right. So, so yeah, tell me, first... like, okay, so, I, you know, I hate lobbyists, right? I'm looking, I just, I don't <laughs> like lobbyists. We don't want those at all. Uh, wh- why, you know, when, when I guess when Clean Missouri started, um, you know, I mean, $5 isn't that much. Whether you hate them or you love them, I mean, it, it's, it, it doesn't really, it's not, it's not very much. But I guess, you know, from, the, from Clean Missouri, uh, the standpoint there where you, you limited, lo- what were lobbyists' gifts before that? What did they look like before they were limited down to the $5 amount? So there were no limits of any kind when we were collecting signatures. Um, there were no limits, you know, even on election day. So um, the year that we started collecting signatures, there were more than a million dollars in lobbyist gifts um, that were reported going to the state legislature that year. Um, and we lowered it to $5. Um, I think, you know, we have certainly heard op- opponents or I guess they're supporters of, of the gerrymandering plan try to, um, you know, make an apples to apples comparison. But they really just aren't uh, between what was passed in 2018 and this. one. So a few of the notable differences. One, the redistricting changes were the first bullet on every single petition, on every single ballot. Um, we defended aggressively built bipartisan coalition. In fact, we we had the Republican support that we uh, had for the Clean Missouri Amendment came from the redistricting provisions, not from some of the you know money and politics pieces. Um, and so, you know, the, in addition to the lobby skip changes and the redistricting reforms, uh, we also made sure that the legislature uh, needed to start following the Sunshine mm-hmm. Law, which the law already said they're supposed to, but then they mm-hmm. kind of weaseled their way out of, of doing, um, or at least it was applied in very inconsistent ways. So mm-hmm. there were certainly different pieces to the Clean Missouri Amendment, uh, but we, those were all done well, and we defended each one of them piece by piece, um, conversation by conversation, voter by voter. Um, when voters go in to vote on Amendment Three this year, you're totally right. Like the first bullet is going to, it's going to look attractive, um, but the fact is that it's a just a five dollar change with loopholes. Um, the second bullet is going to look like it's you know campaign finance reform perhaps, but it's a hundred dollar change to campaign contribution limits for state Senate candidates only, um, a whopping change from 2,500 to 2,400. Um, one of the crazy things we found in talking to voters is just sharing those two facts mm-hmm. like that people's spidey senses go off with just that. Like they may not understand, or, you know, they may not like want to have a conversation about redistricting, but they know that if politicians are trying to turn over what voters did and they're trying to trick you with the $5 change, mm-hmm. like something else is going on. Mm-hmm. And it's that third bullet, of course, which is, 
what everyone knows that this is really about. Um, and it's about making the system more partisan, making it more secretive, and having a whole lot of rules under the fine, in the fine print that would um, allow them to create these politician protection maps. Yeah. One thing yeah. that voters should also know that we'll get into is like the, the fiscal note that appears right after bullet one, bullet two, bullet three talks about local governments. They are expecting significant revenue losses if this thing passed. Um, and I know you've talked a lot about this online of mm. you know, just what a radical change it would be if Amendment 3 is enacted as the sponsors intend and kids don't count anymore. Um, our communities aren't fully represented, fully counted. I mean, it's, it's really a um, rather radical set of, uh, of details in the fine print. Right, right. Actually, that's one of the questions that I've got queued up too. So, um, jump yeah, ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no. Th- please, this is great. Uh, when when things flow together, it's a little bit of a better time. So, yeah, I mean, it, you're exactly right. If if you continue reading past those two bullet points, all of a sudden things start to fall apart in terms of how attractive Amendment Three looks. Um, you know, right? So, this was. And, you know, there have been changes in different states looking at the redistricting process. And, you know, we hear the term gerrymandering a lot. And that might be something that, you know, some folks heard in their history class a long time ago. And, you know, maybe they've seen come up a few times in some, you know, negative, negative ads on TV about how someone's drawing their own district. But the thing is, like, that's that's actually happening. Like, that's a that's a very big issue in America right now that's being litigated quite a bit. Uh, around how districts are drawn, uh, and, and you know, there's you know, different perspectives on how they should be drawn. Um, I guess in in Missouri, clean clean Missouri, what we voted on that was the big, and that was bullet point number one was about redistricting changes and how that was going to happen. Um, I guess could you, could you describe or just explain like why do you think that the clean Missouri way? of doing these districts, of drawing out where we're, how we're represented, really, in our state legislature, why do you think that that is better than what we had before? And then we can talk about the mess that Amendment 3 is, because it's not. I mean, as mm-hmm. for everybody who says it's a reversal, it's not. It is not a reversal. It does eliminate a whole bunch of stuff that we just changed, that we just changed but it adds some things in there that uh, are just in my view, totally destructive. And we're definitely going to talk about that a lot too, but just explain like what, what is the idea behind these reforms in Missouri that even gave clean Missouri room to exist? So every state does a little bit different, but the core features of any good fair map plan are you've got to have a process that, that has some independence to it. Mm-hmm. You got to have transparency to understand why the maps were created like they were, why lines got drawn, where they got drawn. Um, and then you have to have rules that protect voters because, to your point, gerrymandering is a not great American tradition, but it is, a, it is an American tradition. And politicians, lobbyists, operatives left to their own devices, you go let them draw lines in the back rooms, they're going to draw lines to protect their friends, um, not their voters. Um, the, uh, the, the technology for being able to draw maps, draw lines, is more sophisticated by the year. Um, I think folks who have been watching this process in the past um, are going to be amazed in really great ways by um, how technology has come and how much more democratized it, it's going to be in 2021 in Missouri and everywhere else. Because it used to be everything got drawn like in a basement or in a back room where like, you're drawing wax crayon on, on a map or pen on, on a map or something like that. You know, and then in 2001, 2011, 
it was super expensive and sophisticated software, but it was software that cost so much, um, was hard enough to get, um, and you had to have like data files to be able to use that very specialized software that it was just not something that everybody can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's been a lot of work that's been done in the last decade so that everybody can be a part of that process. Um, that technology can be used for good and evil. Um, and uh, if there aren't rules to protect voters and to protect communities, then all sorts of um, hinky business can happen um, with that software to draw lines to, you know, to protect a particular incumbent or get an outcome that you want um, to break up voting coalitions of people you don't like or um, other coalitions that you, you wish didn't have power. So all sorts of bad things can happen. Um, and so what voters did, we added, Missouri has had commissions for a while drawing lines, but unlike other states that have legitimately independent commissions, we have dependent partisan commissions where um, the nominees have traditionally been lobbyists and um, political insiders, um, future former politicians, um, lawyers to big donors, um, things like that. Like that's who gets picked to go draw the lines. Um, and they have clear agendas, um, either partisan or parochial or, or whatever it is that, that they're trying to get accomplished and why they got picked in the first place. So mm-hmm. what voters did is we added, um, some independence to that process. So there's now the role of the independent state demographer that goes first in the process, draws draft plans, underlying draft plans, um, turns over all the data that's used for those drafts, and then provides them to the commissions. So those commissions were not modified by the Clean Missouri Amendment, but those still exist. They can make changes. They'll have hearings. Um, you know, if they can reach consensus, that they'll make changes. And um, if, if they want to do that, so the process changed a little bit, got more transparent, um, had some independence. But then the big thing in my mind, like the most important thing, is that there are now rules in the Constitution that protect communities. Uh, that ensure that the overall outcome is is fair, um, and then also encourage competition. To so back to our earlier part of the conversation about like competition helping get better outcomes for the people. Um, you know there will be more competitive seats um, in 2021, 2022 after these lines get drawn because um, that's what voters wanted, and, and that's how we get to a good and healthy democracy. So all of those pieces work together, um, and then the rules in our constitution now. Um, they all fit together, um, but there is like a priority ranking so that uh, when map, map drawers have to like make choices or um, someone goes to challenge a, a, a court, you know, there's clear guidance for like, hey, this is how we know um, that the, the right outcome has happened or the courts, you know, if, some, if something doesn't go as it should and the litigant um, is able to successfully show that, hey, here's a better way to have a more fair map, you know, then, then that can be the outcome as well. So the first rule is to protect the voting power of communities of color. Um, that is uh, that is a stronger legal standard than existed for the Clean Missouri Amendment passed. Um, that was super important to be first because both Democrats and Republicans um, have um, done bad things in the past to weaken the political power of um, black Americans and um, other voters of color. And so that, that's super important. After that come rules that require the overall state plan to be fair to both parties. Um, one thing that's important for everyone to know is that those rules for fairness and encouraging competition apply to the whole plan. Mm. They do not prescribe the outcomes of particular districts. Um, the, uh, the supporters of Amendment 3 intentionally and dishonestly misread that particular criteria to the exclusion of everything else um, and try to suggest that what that uh, what that rule does is it says, like, every district has to have, like, some fantasy number, uh, which is just not the case. Um, 
we all know it's not the case, but like their campaign, of course, is not built on um, honesty. So that uh, and so like those rules for uh, protecting communities, um, for uh, partisan fairness, they also then exist in with the current and ongoing rules that every district has to be compact. Um, and then there's rules that say follow local political boundaries um, to, to keep communities together. So they all work together. They all fit together. And that's why um, the Clean Missouri Amendment was endorsed and supported by every anti-gerrymandering organization that exists. Um, you know, and that's and we'll get into why that those people and more say that Amendment 3 is a disaster. But um, yeah. the policy was strong and it was well vetted. And that's why it won big. Yeah. Yeah. It's. um I mean, okay, so, you know, there's, there's, it, it can be complicated. I mean, it's not too complicated if you actually just, like, sit back and, and, and think about it. Like, right now, Clean Missouri, the way it changed it was now we've got a professional map maker who makes the map, the draft, and then the draft goes to the same group of folks who would have started the process beforehand anyway, right? The, the commission that's really picked on a partisan basis. And then that commission, if they want, they can make changes to that map like they don't have to accept this professional one but beforehand it was it starts with the political side and then when they can't agree on anything which happens quite often now uh when they can't go then it goes to to a group of judges and the judges they don't they don't draw maps for a living they make they make decisions and they're lawyers and I'm, i'm a lawyer i can't make a map i mean i used to love drawing maps when i was a kid actually now that i think about it but no i mean i just that's not my job um you know one of the it's interesting because, you know, one of one of the things I guess it's like the most attractive concept is when you think about, oh, well, if the maps are unfair, which I think a lot of folks agree on on both sides, really. And then everybody's going to blame each other for why it is. But if the maps are unfair, why don't we just just make a, you know, a program that just, you know, does it in a bunch of squares, right? There's the, have everything divvied up, you know, based on population, obviously, because they're supposed to be about equal in population. But why, I mean, why any of this other stuff? Why don't we just start drawing, you know, maybe, maybe little circles and then you have them by, uh, cut up in a certain, but just have it so that all the shapes basically look the same and uh, uh, no one cares about whoever's living where or whatever else it is. Just divvy it up that way. Why, why don't we just do it that way? So um, some folks have have thought about that. I think that's actually um, a bad idea. I think one of the things that software and um, algorithms and all sorts of things you can do, you can have randomly generated maps. And the software has gotten to the point and computers have gotten powerful enough that you can have tens of thousands of randomly assembled um, precincts, voting precincts or census blocks all put together and you can have random maps. Um, all generated. The great thing about that kind of software is it allows you to see what an acceptable range of outcomes ought to be. Like you can plot out of like, okay, you know, if we say, you know, these are the rules that we're trying to find, you can measure, you can quantify everything from partisan fairness to how big dif- districts are, you know, like all that kind of stuff. So it's important to have both math, like we can quantify um, gerrymandering, we can quantify all these things, but then you need to have the human element because we as people do not live in square shape all of the time. Um, sometimes what matters to uh, matters to voters and how a voter would define their community um, or um, how they would, um, uh, you know, what, what we as normal humans think about as communities that matter are not the same as what politicians think um, are communities that matter. Um, so you need to have both. Like you need to be able to 
say, okay, like it actually makes more sense to keep this neighborhood together or keep this block together. Um, uh, so that discretion, all of that is important and it's important for all those things to come together. And that's how, um, through a multi-step process with checks and balances and transparency, um, you get to the, to the best possible outcome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, when one of, you know, and this is something that you highlighted already, but protecting, uh, voting power, especially when you're talking about minority groups in Missouri and really in America. I mean, that's been a, a struggle uh, legally through the court system and with the Voting Rights Act and everything else that's happened. But if, you know, and I've been doing a lot of reading on, on this kind of topic, but if you just start saying, hey, random computer, just tell me what my destiny is and, and draw these, you might be, you're exactly right, entirely ignoring um, the, the, the history of this country and, you know, the current segregation that still goes on because of neighborhoods that folks are living in. And you very well might take, um, you know, a state legislature that has some minority representation in it and entirely destroying all the work that's gone into organizing that to making sure that's actually happening. And you very well, um, you know, John had a question that we're going to get to, but talking about legal, potential legal challenges to all of these kinds of things. But, you potentially mm-hmm. uh, drawing a map just randomly uh, very well. One might hurt a lot of folks and their representative power in government, but two, you might very well be in violation of a lot of federal law um, that's resulted from um, a lot of the discrimination that we have seen in um, our electoral system. Um, so that's definitely a thing. So John, John's antsy. He's ready to go. He's got questions about where where are we going to chat? How how bad is this thing written? And it's interesting because um, the and I you know I, you you've put this video out there too. But the uh, commit the head of the committee from where Amendment Three came from uh, was readily out there saying there are errors in this thing and there's problems with 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 what we're putting on the ballot and we're still voting on it and there are some significant ones. Um, okay, so. We know that Amendment 3 would get rid of this nonpartisan map maker. Um, it would try to go straight to these commissions again, but that's not all it's doing. Um, what are the big changes that Amendment 3 would make, not just going back to what it was before 2018, but what differences would we see moving forward um, that we didn't have before 2018? So there's three buckets of changes. There's change to the the process the how um of like who draws the maps and do we have any sort of insight into what's happening in that back room there are the changes to the fundamental rules that govern what a fair map is and and um uh inform uh, like just what what rules have to be followed to get to a map plan and then the third bucket of change after you've rigged the system you rig the rules they want to rig the back end uh, protections that the rights that we have by making it harder to challenge uh, an unfair map at all, and then they want to make it so a judge can't even throw out a redistricting plan, even if the judge finds that it's unconstitutional. So, like we talked a little bit before about the five dollar gift change being a tell, mm-hmm. the fact that they're trying to make it harder to sue to fix rigged maps is the tell that they're trying to rig the maps. Um, on the process piece. It's not even the old process that we had before. They want to make the, um, the number of folks who are in those back rooms bigger than ever. Um, they want to make the commissions larger so they can get more of their friends stuffed into those rooms. And then they want to centralize control over who does, um, who like, gets appointed to there by giving new powers to the state political parties. 
um, to be choosing um, folks like for the House Commission that they've never had before. Um, and all of the nonpartisan redistricting work that's happening around the country, every good plan that gets voter support makes things more transparent, more nonpartisan, more, more rules to protect voters. They want to go the exact opposite direction on all of those things. Um, we had, one thing we haven't talked about a ton yet is just like how the rules themselves get changed. So they want to change who counts and who matters in our maps. Like that is a radical revolutionary change. Um, every state in America counts everyone in their maps. Missouri has counted everyone since at least 1875. And they have been clear that they want to draw maps based on the eligible voter population of the state, not the total population. So that is a huge BFD radical change. Even supporters of this idea have admitted that it'd be a radical way to, to draw maps. Um, it may not sound like a big deal at first, but then you remember that there are one and a half million Missourians who aren't eligible to vote. Almost all of them are kids. And so almost all the impact would be on families and communities that happen to have kids in them. Um, 2% of our state population are non-citizen immigrants. 23% of our state population are kids 17 and under. So, um, you know, some supporters of, um, of Amendment 3 have tried to say this is like some sort of anti-immigration um, thing and, and, you know, played some dog whistles um, on that sense. But like, even under their own plan, like the overwhelming impact is on um, their own families and their own communities um, and because kids wouldn't count. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And, you know, it's, you were on, you were on St. Louis public radio the other day with uh, Senator Onder and um, yeah, that was a good time. And uh, I had some, a discussion with him on a very civil Twitter. I thought I was being pretty civil, but he, he, his explanation, it's so interesting coming from, you know, he's very into like limited government, at least, you know, that's the statement and everything. And, you know, it's the side, the conservative side, limited government. And, you know, I'm, 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 I like the concept in general, um, in a lot of ways, uh, especially when it comes to this, because what, what has happened is it has changed the language about um, who's counted. It's not the most clear thing in the world. Like he is saying, oh, it's so we don't count uh, undocumented people in Missouri. That's not what the words say. I mean, you could have proposed, put that in the language. That's not what you did. You said that it's going to be based on the principle of one person, one vote. And when you think about like how, where in the language are children protected in the count? Where in the language are, I mean, really anybody, you think about felony disenfranchisement. Um, I mean, it, it just, you just leave that authority up to the legislature. And in his view, he wouldn't vote to uh, prevent kids from being counted. But I mean, we don't elect him forever and he's got term limits and so does everybody else. And, and so, I, I mean, it's never been, and this is in Missouri's constitution. Like that's the reason why we all have to vote on it and make changes to it. But, uh, yeah, it's certainly, uh, I mean, there's just, the language gives so much authority to the government to decide who matters for representation that determines who is in our government. It just, it, it seems very, uh, very purposefully self-serving. Um, in so many, am I, am I like totally missing on that? Cause I still don't understand what in the world this argument is. Yeah. So it is intentionally confusing the way the language is crafted. They remove the current requirements that everyone counts. So that is the law right now. Um, it's the required in the constitution three separate times. They intentionally 
unambiguously remove all three requirements that you count everyone. They then remove the requirement that you have to use data from the decennial census. Why would you want to be drawing maps based on something other than the, than the census? You'll have to ask people who support Amendment 3. But then on this standard, it says maps shall be drawn on the basis of one person, one vote. That was perhaps a little more mysterious in December of last year. But since then, the sponsor of Amendment 3 was asked directly by Jill Shoup back in January. What does this mean? How are you determining who matters and who counts in maps? The attorney general's office was asked in August by an appellate court judge in the successful litigation to get the ballot language changed. And the judge said to the solicitor general, what does this mean? Maps shall be drawn based on person one vote. And in both instances, seven months apart, in different contexts, the same question was answered the same way. We are trying to draw maps based on the eligible voter population of Missouri. So you don't have to take my word for it. We don't have to theorize about what they might be up to. They have told us what they're trying to do. And they're trying to draw maps that are based on four and a half million Missourians, not 6.1 million Missourians. Yeah. Yeah. And nowhere in America, we don't do this. We just don't. And, you know, it's you can go back. Right. So and I have I've obviously been been going down a rabbit hole. But you go back to when the country was founded because the census itself and we talk about computers and the computer programs we have now. I mean, since we started, we had the census, and and there were people, and there were few of them, and they were, initially it was the marshals that were in charge of it, and they were going around and, and trying to tabulate, you know, by hand all of this information. And I mean, obviously we've expanded the information that we gather over time, but I mean, still we were gathering quite a bit. And so the count would come out, and uh, you know, the initial count that first came out was that folks in government were like, well, we think you've counted too few people. It wasn't about excluding people. It was like, we didn't get everybody. I don't know if this is correct because we want to make sure that everybody is represented. And at the time, back you know, in the, in the 1790s, we were talking about fewer people who had the right to vote than do now. I mean, we were talking about women and children. And uh, there, there was not a question. It's actually one of the fewest debated issues at the Constitutional Convention was whether people who could not vote should be counted. Now, obviously, there's a very big history of slavery and racism that goes behind that, too, with, with folks who are counted as three-fifths of a person. Uh, but, but still, like, people who could not vote were being counted because there was a belief that the government is still supposed to represent them. And that to some degree, there's supposed to be access to that government. Now, we've expanded upon, we've understood maybe better as would, would be an argument, but understood better what those principles meant. Um, and still we're working on, that's really the history of this country working on that. But uh, now, I mean, it's like for the first time in 2020 now, now it's all of a sudden we're supposed to stop counting people in, in for, for this, for the very basic thing that, I mean, this is I just get I get so frustrated thinking about it. And it's it's sad because when you look at what you know, you say something, right? Oh, well, on principle, here's what I believe. I disagree with all of American history leading up to this point and the progress that we've made. OK, fine. Opinion. But then you look at what the results would be. If you stop counting children in Missouri and those results are certainly skewed in favor of one group versus another. Right. So if, yeah, I mean, it, beyond just like the fundamental wrongness, unfairness of not counting everyone. Um, and we all, all of our communities are going to lose if we lose representation. Um, but if you don't count kids, 
if you don't count everyone, the data consistently show that that disproportionately impacts communities of color. And that's because black and brown communities are generally, are on average, just younger, um, you know, for a whole lot of like a whole lot of reasons. And, you know, there are uh, disparities in the health system and other, um, you know, folks aren't living as long, like then your average age gets, gets to be younger. Um, so what the data show is that if you don't count kids, um, in, in the maps, the, the deal on the table, if this is, is, uh, is enacted, is essentially one in five Missourians will not be counted. And then it's one in four black Missourians. And then it's half of the Latino and Asian American populations of the state would lose representation. So, um, this is why, um, there has been a bigger coalition, or this is part of why there is a bigger coalition working to defeat this thing in 2020, uh, because of the discriminatory impacts, because of the race equity impacts, uh, because of um, what it would mean for Missouri to be the first state in America to be moving in the wrong direction. Um, this, this alone um, should sink this whole thing, um, but um, it is, again, like one of like many mad things that are all um, part of this overall nasty and then the three package. Right. Right. Yeah. It's my, it's, it's, it's mind blowing. Um, and you know, and, and there's an argument out there right now, um, that some corporate agriculture groups are making in that, uh, amendment three is an attempt to preserve the rural life in, in Missouri. And just, I mean, just the understanding of that, and I got a little bit fired up on the last podcast we did, but I mean, one, just to think about rural issues in Missouri and the direction that we're going as a state is already very scary, especially given how I mean, we're giving corporate agriculture and monopolies way more power to even have a discussion about this issue. But two, I mean, if you actually look, there there was a report, it was by the Brennan Center um, that was put out that had a lot of the statistics you talked about, and they actually have a map of areas that would uh, gain relatively in uh, representation and those that would lose. And there's a lot of rural areas. Um, I'm thinking of Saline County. I'm thinking of Pettis County. I'm thinking of a lot of parts of southwest Missouri that would actually lose relative representation, one of the areas that would actually gain, Kansas City would lose a whole lot, but one of the areas that would gain uh, would actually be St. Louis City itself. It's one of the 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 very, like, a dark blue areas. And we've, I mean, I, you know, I'm in St. Louis City right now. We've seen a lot of issues with education, and a lot of kids have moved out. And so those areas that would actually lose representation, St. Charles, St. Louis County, um, but it's just... I mean, it, it just there's so many arguments that folks just seem to be throwing against the wall right now as if there's no information or data behind it. That's got to be frustrating for you as someone who's like running this campaign. I mean, you got to go on the radio. You got to go on all these things because it seems like I mean, just from like an outsider looking, but it seems like most of the work that you're doing is really dispelling a bunch of crap that folks are just like vomiting out of their mouths in order to preserve some system that they're benefiting from. Um, yeah, there is a lot uh, of nonsense, right? Like the whole theory of the case um, on Amendment 3 is, you know, we'll go trick people, and if we can't, then we'll just do this misinformation. But on, like, the specific part about how, um, you know, this urban-rural thing, like this attempt, yeah. this attempt to create division where there isn't any. You know, I'm from a town of 3,000 people. Um, you know, like, it's not, like, this, like, it, you know, it's, it's like Palmyra would lose. Um, yeah. If this thing passes and all of their arguments when they talk about, um, you know, stringy districts or like this connected to this, 
it's all based in an you know, maybe it's not intentional, but it's based in a misunderstanding, a misreading of what the law actually is, um, of what voters passed. So you'd mentioned that the Brennan Center report, another great report for folks to check out, um, is one that was done by the Princeton Gerrymandering Project. Mm-hmm. They look at, um, analytically from an independent perspective, all of the redistricting systems around the country, and they looked at what voters approved in 2018. What they found is that under our voter-approved rules, about 20% of the legislative districts in the next redistricting cycle, starting in 2021, will be competitive. Um, in the past, it's been, you know, lower than 10 for sure, like 5%. You know, it is more competition than we've had before. Um, the rest of the districts will lean Republican, will lean Democratic, and it will all be done without crazy-shaped districts because, A, you don't have to, B, the Constitution requires that you have compact, contiguous districts. Like, that rule didn't go away. It is still the law. Um, and it's because you've got communities being kept together and you have an overall outcome that's fair. That's why That's why you've got bipartisan support for the voter-approved reforms in, in the first place. So um, it's all, like, misinformation on purpose. Um, you're right. It is exhausting. Uh, but um, we do this because it matters. And... Um, it's going to be uh, a great thing for the state to win again, to win um, another mandate for, for fair maps, because um, that's we knew it was going to be a long fight. But um, you know, we are so darn close to to winning a second time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, we, we talked about those. Early, I don't want to forget because we are starting to run down a little bit. But um, th- this also ties in. We talked about the fiscal note that is attached to. Amendment three, and so that's if you're if you're reading it on the ballot, maybe even uh, if you still have your ballot, you got to get that in soon. So please do. But if you do have it, you can look at it right now. But uh, you'll see it soon, one way or another. If you haven't, uh, but at the very end of it, there's a fiscal note attached to it that describes you know how mm-hmm. much this thing is estimated the cost, um, and it's got uh, an unspecified uh, but thought to be a significant amount. Uh, that's going to cost for local governments. It doesn't even tell you like how much it's going to be. Uh, wh- what's that about? What what is happening there? So that is because local leaders from across the state, academics, elected officials, um, business leaders, all during the public comment period that went into creating that fiscal note, they talked about if you don't count everyone in our communities, we are going to lose out. Um, for a variety of reasons, but it essentially comes down to the research backs up common sense, that if your family, if your community, if your city are not adequately counted and not adequately represented, there are downstream costs to that. Um, you don't get your fair share of the representation. You don't get your fair share of the resources. So like that, it, like that part of the fiscal note directly speaks to what we've been you know, spending a, a good chunk of time on here is this super radical idea of trying to make Missouri the first state to not count everyone, um, in our maps. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I think, uh, actually the mayor of St. Louis city, Lida Cruson wrote a, uh, letter mm-hmm. that was just like, Oh my goodness. Um, I, I mean, it's, yeah. this is not a great time to be, do- I just don't, I don't, I don't understand. This is not a great time to be doing. Every one of us understands, uh, that this is, 
is is a very difficult time, especially for local governments, especially for state governments, but here we're talking about local ones, because everybody's straining against what is happening in the economy right now. We have so many folks who are no longer even looking for jobs out there. The unemployment system is broken, the job the small businesses, and we're not doing very much in Missouri, unfortunately, to really deal with that. And that's all happening over here while the legislature is having us vote on something that's going to very likely have a very big impact on those governments that are suffering the most already and trying to provide services to folks. And right now, I mean, since since uh, for the last uh, few months now, I've been working a lot on the eviction crisis in Missouri. I mean, that thing is so real. And right now we're asking local governments to really deal with a lot of those issues and to try to find ways to help people um, and and here we are trying to find ways to to make that even harder, as if it wasn't hard enough already. And it just blows my mind. I don't know. Uh, John had a, a question a little bit earlier. Oh, Michael Whittier's on here. Michael's been doing great great work to get the word out um, uh, about this issue Michael's, to so many folks. Michael's wonderful. Yes, he's yeah. he is absolutely. We are, we are very lucky to have Michael on the team. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm just adding to the broad I, I gotta put him on the screen because I just love this guy. He's just wonderful. Uh so find Michael. He does great. He was on the podcast before, we had a good time and um we talked about a lot of uh issues facing Missouri in general. John has had this question, he's been sitting here for a while. Uh any parts of Amendment three that are illegal and could potentially be challenged in court if it does pass. Now, obviously, uh, there's a very big effort to make sure it doesn't pass. And uh, uh, the best way to make sure that happens is to vote no on Amendment 3. And there's that little bubble that you fill in that says no right there. But uh, let's say, goodness gracious, this thing somehow passes. Is there anything that can be, you think, uh, in the court system be challenged? Um, I mean, my job is to make sure that that <laughs> conversation never happens like i like yeah, i good, literally spent no time like thinking about that so i, I will kick that to, to but, other actual attorneys yeah uh well, uh well you happen to be next to one right now virtually at least not in real life we're not there i mean his room looks a lot nicer than mine although this is pretty good this is not the worst thing in the you, world. Got, you got the flag it's good. i've got the flag yes the flag uh made in america and uh uh brought to you by uh the wonderful democrats in lincoln county actually so thank you guys okay. for that yeah i i won that at some it just it was thrown out there, and I caught it somehow. So that was great. Um, yeah, it, it, there there are going to be some significant legal issues with this, which was, and we already talked about, but uh, uh, in the committee before this thing got out to everybody else, I mean, they knew that there were significant legal issues with this, but we're still voting on it anyway. Um, I think when you talk about not counting people, that's going to be something that will definitely be challenged. I think when you talk about uh, uh, the disparate impact this is going to have on minority groups uh, or on just like certain areas in the state versus other, that's going to be challenged. Uh, I think when you talk about taking away the rights of Missourians to actually challenge these things in court, uh, that's something that also is going to be a very big issue. So I think that there, um, th- this... This is, it is, it is a, we use the term dumpster fire a lot. Amendment three is a total dumpster fire. And it's, it's just one, it's, it's designed to, 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 to really take away power from us and put it as much of it as possible in politicians who are getting these big checks to make sure that all this stuff is just, it just, it is bad. It is bad on so many different levels. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's. It's no good. So, yes, John, I think yeah. there's... So on, on those pieces, what I would say, like, folks may challenge those, but, you know, the, the 
Amendment three is not an unsophisticated right. proposal. It is nasty. It is devious. And the folks who put this together, they think that they can do all of it. They think they can take away your rights to challenge maps in court. They think they can, and they are trying to make it so judges can't fix rigged maps. They think they can make Missouri the first state to not count kids, um, to draw maps based on something other than like counting everyone, which is, um, we've talked about that. Um, they think they can do all this stuff, but they own, they know that they can't defend any of that now in the electoral context. Um, and so like, that is why, you know, we talk about the tricks. Um, that is why the campaign has like repeatedly called out those tricks. Um, one, because it's so important as all of us, as we're talking to our friends and neighbors in these final days, that everyone understands, like, hey, don't get duped by bullets one and two. But we've also seen with thousands and thousands and thousands of conversations that when voters understand how politicians are trying to trick them, that's when the alarm goes, bell goes off inside. They may not have the interest or the desire or the frame of reference to really want to get into um, an hour-long podcast or a live stream on redistricting policy, but they know... There, there, there's a reason to believe in America right now that someone, that politicians are trying to dupe you. Like that is not that is not a foreign concept um, to the to the people in your lives. And so, right. um, like that that is why we um, and that's why we would encourage you to like, yes, if they want to have a long conversation on the details, rock and roll. But if they didn't learn nothing else, they need to know that politicians are trying to trick them with the five dollar gift change, and that what's really going on is a politician protection scheme. It's bad. That's the, the simplified it's version. It's, it's just bad. Number three is bad. It's yeah. bad. It's yep. bad. Just vote no on the darn thing. Um, yeah. And and the, the scary thing is uh, this is the beginning, right? This is almost an experiment that they're doing here in Missouri because they ain't going to stop here. Like if this thing works out somehow for them, this is what they want to do moving in the future in so many other places. And it just – uh, we cannot let that happen. So for I know we've got some viewers who are outside of Missouri uh, but are interested in what's going on. Uh, that's what's happening. Like Missouri is becoming the testing ground for so many things. And a lot of folks know uh, me railing about dark money quite a bit. Uh, but that's that's happening. Like right now, Missouri is at the forefront of so many of these battles. And this is one that, that we need to win. Um, speaking of which. Oh, and somebody commented that they love the, uh, your new commercial. So good job. Good job with your new commercial. Very good. Um, uh, so I, I want to give you a chance, the opportunity, the wonderful moment in your political co- political organizing career to close out the show and let folks know why uh, this is so important. Any last thoughts that you have? And uh, certainly uh, I'm sure you'll have the opportunity to do it, and I'm sure it's already ingrained in you, but to tell folks what to do when they go to the ballot on November 3rd. That's right. So we're all going to be voting no on Amendment 3 because we all do better when our state government works for us and when politicians are responsive to the people back home. The ultimate goal of Amendment 3 is to have a redistricting system, a map drawing system that lets lobbyists and political operatives draw maps to protect their favorite politicians, to protect incumbents in super-duper safe seats. For all the things we've been talking about the last hour— they know you don't like the fine print. They know that nobody is going to like the fine print. And so they are relying on deception and tricks to try and get this thing across the finish line. The tricks are a $5 lobbyist gift change, a $100 campaign contribution change. No one thinks those are real reforms. Those are an obvious smokescreen for what's really going on. You should know, voters should also know, 
that the politicians behind Amendment 3, two courts ruled that they broke the law with the lies that they were trying to peddle with Missouri voters. And so when politicians are trying to trick us, when they get called out in court for lies, it is on us to send a message to them that we want fair maps and we want fair redistricting. And it's on us to send them a message that we will not be duped and we're going to vote no on Amendment 3. Sean Sandker Nicholson, uh, campaign director for Clean Missouri. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Good luck. Thank you, Elijah. Good Great. luck. Thank you. We need it. We need it. And folks, if you're watching right now, make sure to tell a friend. You don't have to watch this whole hour-long thing. I mean, people do, Sean. Believe it or not, they actually do like to watch the whole thing. And it will be out of the podcast soon. I'm catching up on a whole bunch. No, I'm a little bit behind. But uh, you can also, if you're very entrepreneurial about this, cut a scene that you like the most, folks, and just put it out there. I don't care. Just have us talk about it. There's so many folks, and Sean's one of them. I'm one of them. Michael, uh, who I put on the screen earlier, is one of them. We're happy to talk to you about this issue. And I know uh, uh, we had uh, some friends in uh, Nevada who um, had me come out and are, are watching right now, too. You know I will travel wherever it is to make sure that folks know about this. It's that important, which means all of you who are watching right now, you need to let people know it doesn't matter if they're Democrat, doesn't matter if they're Republican, doesn't matter if they just don't care about any of this stuff. In fact, that's probably better because those are the people who know how messed up the system is and how much change we need. And, and Amendment 3 needs to fail for those reasons. So, Sean, thanks for coming on, man. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thanks for all you do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, everybody, uh, you know where to find us, and uh, we're always on live. so check it out, and uh, we'll see you soon. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us on the Alad Pod. You can participate in future town halls and see all of our past ones at live. You can reach me there, too, and I'd love to hear your ideas. For now, this is Alad Gross, and I'll see you on the next Alad Pod.